This is Clutch Fans. The Rockets are going to Boston. How sweet it is! And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. <laughs> I'm ready to get on Clutch fans. Now, here's your host. The man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. It's been a while, and uh, it's not good times right now. I'm here with our good friend, David Wiener, Bema Thug, uh, as you know him on both uh, the Clutch Fans forums and on Twitter. Big Rocket fan, uh, lawyer here in town, and just knows his stuff uh, as far as the cap and, and the Rockets you know, salary situation. David, thanks for being here. I, I Before I, we go back and forth, I just want to, you know, let everyone know what, you know, what's happened here with the Rockets. And that's basically that they've made a trade at the trade deadline, but basically at the very, very end of the trade deadline at the last second, uh, trading Victor Oladipo to the Miami Heat for really almost nothing. They, they get, uh, you know, Kelly Olenek, Avery Bradley, and then they get the rights to swap uh, first-round picks in 2022. Um, that's with either Houston's or Brooklyn's pick that they can swap with Miami's uh, first-round pick. And you broke the story, David, that you know that's a lottery protection on that, meaning the Rockets can't swap with Miami if they're one through 14, which is even worse. Um, and I think right now fans are just angry. You know, that I think the, you know, and I'm going to hand this over to you, David, for your thoughts. But I think, you know, as fans, we are, I think we're fine with losing. We're fine with rebuilding. We just aren't fine with the team making unwise moves. The handling of this Oladipo situation was, was poor at best. Yes, I, I great to be here, Dave. Uh, not so great to be a Rockets fan today. Um, this was not a good trade um but let, let, let me let me rephrase that um this was not a good return this was probably the, the the most palatable of some very unpalatable alternatives that the rockets begrudgingly took um and dave i'll give you some credit too you broke the the part of the story that uh if the if the Miami Heat pick is a lottery pick next year, that uh, rather than completely extinguishing that pick swap will turn into a second round pick. So that the, there is that silver lining there. That and you did break that. So credit to you. Well, it's um, very rare that I get anything before second round pick guy. You know, if it, if I got yeah. news on a second round pick, I mean, I know I've got to release that immediately before David Weiner well, breaks the that story. Round pick was definitely. I think I was definitely intrigued by that, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, the return is, is is extraordinarily underwhelming. Uh, there was a brief period after the trade, which you know, when first reported, was underwhelming enough before we knew about the lottery protection, where you could kind of understand that uh, you know, with the Rockets having no star players, that 
if you could make a trade that even though it was very unlikely to happen, had the slight possibility of a high upside where Miami just somehow suffered some catastrophic losses and had a terrible season, that that pick somehow ended up in the lottery, that however slight the chances, you know, you take, you maybe take that home run swing. And, you know, for those that were following me on Twitter today, I kind of called it the, the Royce White of trades, um, <laughs> where I could kind of understand that. And then we found out about the lottery protection and it became even more disappointing. Uh, I, I do have to say this, and this is extraordinarily low bar. At least they didn't buy him out, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, and I'll just tell you, you know, just different things that I've heard since, because I mean, I think I was shocked after I saw the, you know, when I, when I, when Woj broke the story that he was going to Miami, I, I did feel like, okay, the Rockets ultimately relented, you know, once Lowry was, was not traded, Miami said, okay, we'll go for Oladipo. I was fully, fully expecting the Rockets to get, you know, one of like Precious Achua, Casey Opala, um, you know, one of those guys, um, you know, Duncan Robinson might've been, uh, you know, uh, the guy that they picked up. I wasn't expecting much as far as picks when it comes to Miami. Cause you know, their, their first round pick situation is uh, a bit strained, but, but even I, second round pick. Um, well, I think they gave some up. Then I don't, can't remember if they gave any up in the, um, Bielitsa trade or not, but, um, I mean, I think I'd rather have the pick swap than just the second round pick. Um, yeah, the one they gave up for a reason was like 2027 or something like that. But uh, yeah, they, I don't think they have many second round picks to trade. So, but uh, but I mean, I, I think the pick swap is still probably better. The, the chance to move up, you know, five ten spots in the first round is 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 always going to be better than a second round pick. See, and that's you know, I was at least thinking, okay, this could potentially be good before I heard about the lottery protection. Not a good trade, just potentially be beneficial in that. Okay, it's very, very unlikely that Brooklyn craters as soon as next year. I'd say probably not going to happen whatsoever. They would, it would take some serious internal strife for Brooklyn to have a very disappointing year next year. Something drastic would have to happen. Injuries, something. But I thought, well, this gives you a chance for either Brooklyn or Miami to crater, thinking that you know if one of those teams had a just anomaly year, just a you know something went fluky wrong, that basically. You know, you have that unprotected upside now from from two long shots, and it just increases your odds a little bit. That lottery protection is terrible. I, I do think it will end up being used. I think because Brooklyn is probably going to be very good next year. Um, I don't think the Brooklyn uncertainty starts until 2023. That's when you start to hope for some upside. Um, but you know. It, it just takes away the because you know you you at least have that hope that something could crater with Brooklyn next year and you get that pick unprotected. There's no upside with Miami, you know, with that happening with Miami, unless of course the Rockets turn things around drastically and you know contend or, or are a really strong playoff team next year and could use their own pick to flip. Uh, but to me, although, although Dave, I, I, I will say this about Miami cratering. I think given their roster construct, construction, even if things didn't go Miami's way next season. I think the, the overwhelming likelihood is a bad season for Miami is a low playoff seed. Um, I, I just don't see any way they're a lottery team next year. Like so many things would have to go wrong. But on the, on the flip side of that, or, you know, I guess, you know, I'm searching for so, silver linings today that 
given their roster construction, even after this trade, is extraordinarily unlikely they will be better next season than they are this season because they're going to lose guys. I mean, if they uh, the, their best case scenario is they bring everybody back, and that's going to be an extremely expensive team. Duncan Duncan Robinson is going to get paid this offseason. So they're either going to keep him and be paying serious luxury tax or they're going to lose him to a massive offer sheet that some some team's going to throw stupid money at him. Uh, another team's probably going to throw a bunch of money at Kendrick Nunn, and I could see them letting Nunn walk, uh, especially if they pay to keep Oladipo long-term. Uh, I just don't see them keeping all of Oladipo, Nunn, and Robinson and if they want to go after Lowry, well, then Oladipo's gone. Yeah. Um, I think Drogic is gone. Ariza's a free season. agent. I don't, I don't remember if Iguodala yeah, Ar- is. Is Iguodala a free agent as well? I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, they have a team option on Iguodala that they're probably going to turn down because it's a lot of money. Um, to, to bring back the team they have today would be so prohibitively expensive. They can do it, and credit to, to ownership if they do it, but odds are some of these guys, multiple rotation guys are going to walk in free agency. And, I mean, they, they could still have a great team. They're still going to have a deep team is what I'm saying. So yeah. I, I think the odds of them ending up in the lottery were extraordinarily slim anyway. But you can hope for them to get the eight seed, you know. Uh, but but I also don't think they're going to get the one seed next year. So I think they'll, they'll probably be in a similar range next year to where they are today, which is – several spots in the draft above where Brooklyn's likely to be. Yeah. As far as Miami's concerned, I, I, there, there's definitely more possibility that that team could could fall apart. I mean, I think they were a pretty good team last year, but it wasn't really until the playoffs where they had this incredible run. I, I don't want to say improbable. A lot of people picked them to beat Milwaukee as an upset, and they did. But, it, you know, they, they caught fire. They were a very good three-point shooting team. So they're going to have to keep Duncan Robinson to remain that. Uh, Oladipo. And not... they had Crowder last year. They had Crowder last year. He's gone now. Yeah, that was. They, a good but team they player. added uh, Iguodala, who might not be there next year. Dragic was their second best player, and he he might be gone next year. Yeah. Um, and so we, yeah. I mean, we could definitely talk Miami, you know, and their prospects. But I, I think what makes this trade so disappointing. You know, you get Olenek and Bradley. I mean, Bradley has a team option for next year, I believe. But, like, you don't, it, it, you got this trade done at the very end. You can't even flip those guys for, you know, additional little assets. I mean, I would think Olenek would, a, a contending team would have some interest in him, a second or something. You can't even do that now. And to me, I think that's what's just maddening. I think they just, you know, we had this sort of showdown a few days before the trade deadline where it was Woj versus Brian Windhorst, really, where Brian Windhorst is saying there's no market for really for Oladipo. There's hardly any interest. If they could get a first, they would have already done it. And Woj is, is there, and you knew his info was coming from Houston, but it's Woj. And he's he's you know saying, hey, the Rockets have offers of a young player plus pick or a very good pick. I mean – there was a, a lot of optimism. Now I can tell you what I've been told. What you know, what I I know, they felt on Sunday and Monday that they had a good market for Oladipo. That they felt good going into the deadline for that. There and again, people. I'm not defending the Rockets in any way. I didn't like this trade whatsoever. I'm just relaying what I what I know or what I've been told. 
the market froze up today for a variety of reasons on Oladipo specifically. I don't know what those reasons are. I think trades that were not anticipated by the market probably played a role. Maybe, you know, maybe can guys who were interested in Oladipo at some point found something else, maybe a Chicago, for example, that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if that Vucevic deal threw everyone for a loop. Cause I, yeah, I don't think anyone thought Vucevic was really available and Chicago was on the short list, I think, of viable suitors for Oladipo. And once they made that deal, it, it may have taken them out of the running. Yeah, it, Denver was another one, made made the trade for Aaron Gordon, a very good trade for them. But, you know, some of the assets, uh, I think they traded a first, Hampton, a Harris, which was the salary piece. Um, you know, that, that was off the table. And we kind of felt all along that New York and Miami were not really – you know, driving a ton of interest for Oladipo, you needed to find another team. I was surprised Atlanta. I thought Nate McMillan for sure is going to get involved here. Uh, to me, this was a shock. I, I mean, I, I think, I don't want to say Woj's credibility took a hit. We all know Woj is amazing. Uh, but I think for him to report that, I, you know, that to me seemed like almost Houston propaganda, if that's the case. Because, you know, again, I, I know what they what they told. They, they felt legitimate that they had that market but i mean that they didn't make a deal beforehand and i think you know i tweeted about this as well they ultimately felt this return was better than what they could get as a possible sign and trade and they placed a value on moving oladipo now so that they freed up um just development minutes and just a clear path for kevin porter jr and that's what they're hoping i think uh, you're going to see probably this next off season, they're going to try to move an Eric Gordon, try to move John Wall and just completely go young. I, I, I know how tough John Wall is to move. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's going to be this. <laughs> oh yeah. I know there's going to be, a, you know, good, good player, good player, but horrendous contract. Correct. Correct. So I'm not saying it's, it's going to be something easy, but I think that that's, you know, something they're going to explore. But David, I'm just telling you, I, I'm so disappointed because I think all along, I, I am fine with the with the Rockets not winning the title. I'm fine with this team losing and, and rebuilding, and I'm willing to go through all the lean years. I can't handle the team just making blunders. And, and to me, this is just – we've gone from this really smart organization to now, in my opinion, the last two years, making just a couple of boneheaded, really costly moves. Um, and, I, you know, that being the Westbrook trade and now this one – and so uh, let's step back from the ledge there. This is nowhere close to the Westbrook trade. That was idiocy going in with all eyes open. This was having the rug pulled out from under you at the last second. It's just, they're both bad, but Westbrook trade is on multiple levels beyond this. I, I would agree with that. You, you know how much I despise the Westbrook trade. But what I'm getting at is it's not – that you just lost the value. I mean, you, this was attached to that Harden trade. You you took Oladipo over Karis LeVert, and I was totally fine with that. I preferred Oladipo. The contract situation was better. In, in my personal opinion, a lot of the criticism the Rocket that that's now, you know, being levied against the Rockets on Twitter, on you know, on all different kinds of social media, that oh look what they got as far as player return for James Harden, and everyone's having a good laugh. It, that that to me is not Karis LeVert should not be on this Rockets team. He's yes, obviously better player right now than than Victor Oladipo, but with that contract and, and the situation, they should not be looking for Karis LeVert. They should be looking for picks, 
young guys on rookie contracts. Now, where I do think it's fair to criticize the Rockets on the Harden trade is, could they have gotten more? And I think the answer is clearly yes. I mean, I think they could have gotten more for Karis LeVert with three years left on his deal at about $18 million per than Victor Oladipo's expiring contract. And I think... But did, but did, but did they know that at the time? I, I mean, I, I really think... No, I, you're right. That, you're right. Yeah, I, 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 I wanted think, Oladipo. We, we, there's some serious hindsight 2020 on this one where it just it blew up in their faces. It just turned out as badly as it could possibly turn out. But at the time... It, it it was like like you said you preferred Oladipo. I think I slightly preferred Oladipo as well. Um, you know, I think we both thought he. I think both of us were realists. We didn't think he was first year in Indiana Oladipo. And I know there are reports saying the Rockets totally thought he was. I don't think they did either. I think they thought the upside was there for him to possibly return to form. But I think. Going in, you know, you thought, okay, there, there's more upside with Oladipo. Let's take the chance here. We have flexibility. But then you had Oladipo was underperforming. You had the losing streak. You had Oladipo centering on possibly staying with the Rockets. The whole thing about turning down the extension was nonsense. That was, he was never going to accept that extension from any team. It's, it was he was not eligible to sign an extension that is commensurate with his market value. So that was a just a stupid story that people blew out of proportion. But but the fact of the matter is he, he had no interest in re-signing with the Rockets. That part of it was true. And so it just kind of spiraled out of control. And then for it to culminate today with having the rug pulled out from under you where your, your market immediately disappears at the last second and you're left holding the bag where you, where, where all you get is, is, is a Miami poo-poo platter. Um, but, but uh, you know, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Could you have flipped Levert for more than we got for Oladipo? Yeah, probably. But there was no guarantee back in January that that was true. Yeah, okay, I agree with that. Um, I mean, as far as I am concerned, yeah, I'm not saying, oh, that, you know, I was pro Levert or anything of that nature. Because I, I would say today they should not be having Karis Levert on this team. But. Yeah, all Karis Levert does is make you win a few more games where you're exactly. completely irrelevant and your lottery odds are lower. Exactly. But what I'm trying to get at where there's criticism is, yeah, as far as we're concerned, you know, hindsight's 2020. But what we're reading constantly now is that everyone in the league knew Victor Oladipo wanted to be in Miami, had no interest in playing anywhere else. Why didn't the Rockets know this? It seems, at least, that they weren't quite as plugged in as everyone else was on Oladipo's situation. I think that... Um, deserves a little bit of criticism because you, you needed to get value for him. I mean, you brought him in and, and we all knew he wasn't the, the young prospect or young budding superstar in a rookie deal that they wanted, but you needed to flip him for something that, that pushed you towards a rebuild because they've lost 20 straight games that they, they need to be able to, to move these guys for, for assets it just was poor asset management, and it just makes you just roll your eyes. And, and, and cons- you, you're concerned that is this team in good hands? You know, and I think they have done, made a lot of solid moves. Christian Wood was a, a, a good trade. You know, they got Kevin Porter Jr. for nothing. I think a lot of people are completely overlooking that. Uh, and I would not be surprised at all if trading Jared Allen to the Cavs played a role in the Rockets being the ones who were uh, able to, to pick up KPJ for nothing. 
But this was a concerning trade for me. I, I think any way you slice it, for them to kind of take on Oladipo and then just watch his value plummet and then just trade him away for, I wouldn't even say a dime on the dollar. It was a nickel. Uh, to me, very frustrating. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. But, I mean, you said, you said earlier, Dave, that that uh, the Rockets honestly believe that they have this market of a young player and or a mid-first-round pick, which is what Woj reported. Uh, you know, the Woj report seemed to, seemed to indicate that they already had at least one offer they found acceptable. Yeah. So either, either – the Woj misreported that, and they, it was just a sense the Rockets had, or they did have a deal and it fell apart on them at the last minute, or the Rockets were just totally bluffing through the media, lying like their teeth, and it, it just bit them in the butt. <laughs> I'd like to think it was not the, the latter. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, who knows? Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think between the both of us is probably the most negative we've been. And I'm sure we've chased every listener away at this point. But, uh, you know, and, and we'll get into were, some... were they not listening to the Westbrook <laughs> <laughs> Right. You know, but I, and I've had some some exchanges with people about that today. There's no question that I was absolutely livid about the Westbrook trade. And I felt at the time it was just horrible, horrible, horrible. But at least you had that you know, hey, we're still going to contend, right? You know, we still have a very good team. You know, now it's just, like I said, I don't mind the losses at all. I find enjoyment. I don't mind poking fun at, at myself as a fan or at the team. I don't mind this at all. I, I've been through worse or at least as, as bad of situations in Rockets, uh, you know, going back 20 years or so. But you got to make moves that inspire fans, that don't not moves that chase them away. Because I can promise you there's some fans who are just like, you know, this is too much stress and pain for me to keep dealing with. Um, and I, I just would have liked to have seen him away, come away with just one piece. If they had just gotten Precious Achua or Okpala or a first-round pick, even if it was protected, hey, they did their job. And I think that's that's all I'm asking for, is for the Rockets to add currency to their assets to be able to make moves that they need at the time that they need to start making advancements and, and contend. And so I, it leads me to the hard trade just a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about this because I, it's become extremely trendy now for everyone to say, ha-ha, look what the Rockets got for James Harden. And everybody is ignoring these picks. I mean, at this point, it's five pick swaps or and, and four picks. And everybody's ignoring them. I think Kendrick Perkins said the Rockets got pretty much nothing for James Harden. I see constantly people saying four picks in the 20s. Uh, I mean, I've had this rant before, but yeah, it's... Yeah, like they, like they know where Brooklyn's going to be in 2027. Exactly. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you know, these are the kind of things... you got to bookmark these tweets. Now, it's not a payoff. <laughs> you know, it's going to take years for this to pay off and pass this along to freezing cold takes. But all it takes is, is just a, a shift. And, you know, you, there's nobody who picked the Rockets to be one of the worst teams in the league before the Harden stuff started to happen. I mean, there are people who, who picked that happening once Harden had left, but before, you know, nobody saw this coming. Right. The, the, the one part of the Westbrook trade you and I had probably had the least problem with was giving up the 2021 pick swap. <laughs> and that's going to be and probably now, the most painful of all. Splitting it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was zero chance that I thought that 
that both Harden and Westbrook wouldn't be on the team this year. So you're exactly right. And this is probably going to be, I would guess, the most painful of them all because you got 24, 25, and 26. Um, I, I would think at least the Rockets are going to have plenty of time to, you know, at least be a mid-late lottery team by then, if not if not in the playoffs. So, yeah, I think this is the, the big risky one. And I think what's a little bit frustrating as well, David, is, you know, they potentially upgraded Miami. I'm not ready to say that for sure because Miami's strength has always been three-point shooting, and Vic is it's not going to bolster that aspect of the team. But he does a lot of other things well. Um, I think you you possibly hurt your own draft pick situation this year if you don't get a top four pick. You know, and right now what they have 52 percent of 52 percent chance of getting that top four pick. If you don't get that, you're picking probably where Miami is this year, barring a uh, huge run by OKC. Um, so you're probably picking where the Miami Heat are. And if you've if you've upgraded that team, you've actually moved back in the draft. So they need, you know, they need to now get that top four pick or this just makes it look even worse. Yeah, I, I will say that that it's going to be tough for Miami to make up a ton of ground in the draft. But Mike, you know, right now they're in like the they're they're battling for the four, five, six seed. They have the easiest schedule for the remainder of the year. I think they have the easiest schedule in the league for the rest of the year. So odds were, even if they didn't trade for Oladipo, they were probably going to finish fourth in the East. And I think even with Oladipo, the best they can hope for is fourth in the East. Now maybe this catapults them beyond a couple of Western Conference teams, but I'm guessing. Draft position-wise, worst-case scenario, this probably makes a maybe makes a pick maybe like two two picks worse. I would I, that, that'd be my guess. Yeah. Like I think if if they played out the season with the Linux and Bradley, um, they're probably finishing no worse than a couple of picks better, and it, it, their pick would only be like a couple picks better. Is my guess. So I'm I, I, I'm I'm trying to rationalize why I shouldn't be crying right now you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so the only thing i would say to anyone related to the rockets listening to this is you know hey we can take the pain of losing just don't embarrass us you know don't make us a laughing stock um I, to me that this was this was pretty bad in that regard but it leads me to another question i'll segue into this here with by saying did you think they did better for pj tucker than they did for victor oladipo So did I, and, and, and that surprises me a bit. And, and I'll, tell, I'll tell you what, they, they did okay on the Tucker trade. I don't even think they did that great on the Tucker trade. I mean, it was it was okay. It was okay. Potentially good. I, I think they did but, pretty but, well, actually. That, well, well, well let, let's, let's talk about that. So they, they traded P.J. Tucker and uh, future superstar Rodion's Cruz uh, <laughs> to – Milwaukee for DJ Augustine, DJ Wilson. The, uh, the, they swapped the 2022 Milwaukee unprotected pick for a 2023 Milwaukee unprotected pick, and they have the right to swap. The Rockets have the right to swap their own second round pick for Milwaukee's 2021 first round pick. So they basically did not add any additional picks but they did increase the value of 
their 2021 pick and pushed Milwaukee's obligation a year. And that's actually where I see the most value in this trade. I know, you know, most immediately they're probably moving up a handful of spots in the draft from a second round pick. And then I, I think what's more favorable, a first round rookie scale contract uh, doesn't require you to dip into your mid-level exception to, to sign the rookie to a long-term deal. So that's advantageous from a, from a salary cap standpoint. And then on the 2023 pick, um, it's currently speculated that the 2023 NBA draft will be the infamous double draft when they finally let high schoolers back in. So that could be a fairly deep draft where even if you're picking at the back end of the first round that year, you, those high schoolers are going to push some good college players down into the late first round where you may be getting a guy at 27 that in another year would have gone, you know, 20th. So, um, so I thought that there was value in pushing it back beyond just, Oh, another year gives Milwaukee another, another year for something to go wrong or Drew Holiday to get older or Giannis to want to leave or something like that. So all in all, they did pretty well for PJ, but it's not like they got an additional first round pick. Sure. Yeah, and I, I would echo your sentiments in that I think the best value of that was going from 2022 unprotected to 2023 unprotected. You know, not, not, you, you outlined the reasons, but I think it just pushes that uncertainty out there. Milwaukee, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen to Giannis between now and then. I mean, they could have a, a an arrangement where, look, if we don't contend, you know, in, in the next couple of years, I'm going to seek a trade. I mean, so many teams, including Miami and, and Toronto, were trying to and Golden State to situate themselves to get Giannis, and he went ahead and committed to to excuse me to Milwaukee. So I, I would not be surprised at all if that if it came to a point where he wanted to trade if things didn't work out. And there's going to be a lot of teams in the East disappointed. I mean, you've got Philly and Brooklyn who absolutely should be contending uh, i mean you know should have a, a reason to say this is why we're going to the nba finals milwaukee as well miami went there last year i mean boston's trying to improve uh, you know they believe that they should be there and toronto's been extremely disappointing but you've got all these teams that are atlanta for example new york that are playing a little bit above their heads and on the up and up so the east is suddenly becoming competitive at least in in the top eight there I think Milwaukee. Good, good. Maybe maybe uh, Miami will fall in the playoff standings next year. <laughs> right, you never know. But you know, I think I think Milwaukee, uh, at best this year, that pick is twenty five or twenty six. Uh, you look at them; they're playing so well. They didn't have Giannis the other day and just crushed it. Um, I think they're they're not utilizing Tucker quite as well. Putting bring him off the bench as as expected. I think he he really needs to be playing with the big guns to to maximize his value, what he brings to the team. And I think they'll figure that out. But I don't think the upside's, you know, very big on, on that pick at all this year. He, there are, he's, excuse me, Milwaukee's already kind of creating that gap between them and the fourth team uh, in the East. So I think at best it's there. And I think, of course, at worst, the Rockets could be the 31st pick in the second round, the one that they're trading to Milwaukee to move up. Um, you know, you may be looking and, at and, and for what it's worth, um, do know that it, it they didn't, move up, they have the right to to swap. So if for whatever reason the Rockets decide, you know what, we've studied this draft, uh, there's only 20 good players in it, they can elect not to move up. If they end up with the 31st pick and they say, 
eh, we don't want to we don't want to spend a, a commit to a minimum of two guaranteed years to any player at the at the bottom of this first round. They can keep the thirty first pick instead of move up to twenty eight. Um, you know, I think they would move up. I just think the the, the pros outweigh the cons of of, of staying lower, but they do have that right. Yeah. Well, I, I look at this market, just how players went. I mean, I, I granted, you look at Evan Fournier and Boston did absorb that salary, but two seconds, and this is a guy shooting in the high 30% from three-point range. You know, I was just going to ask you about that, Dave. What, do, do you think that Orlando got a better return for Fournier than the Rockets did for Oladipo? Uh... I do. Yes. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a great return, but I would have, you know, two I, to be honest, I don't know which seconds they got. I haven't looked at them or you know where they're expected to be. But two seconds and I guess the salary was wiped completely off your books. I yeah, I mean, it wasn't a amazing but I mean, return. But if if you look at the first of all, I mean, you know, you, you got Bradley with the with a team option of under six million for next year if he plays well you might have a, a market for him for a draft night trade if a team wants him on a, on a you know a, a pretty affordable deal for next season you have an asset there um olenic um i i, I was saying I, I really hope olenic shoots the lights out the rest of the season and he develops a market in free agency there are side and trade possibilities with him even if he doesn't make as much money as he made this year, um, because he makes so much money this year, you could actually get a decent trade exception if you were able to sign and trade him to another team. Do you think so, a team would hard there, cap themselves for Kelly Olynyk, though? Do you think a team would hard would do that? I mean, if it was a team that was so had tons of cap, or, or if it was a team that was so far below the apron and had no intentions of paying the tax, uh, you know, Charlotte, Charlotte hard capped themselves. Yeah, for Gordon Hayward. Um, so I mean, it, it happens. It's, I mean, I know he's not Gordon Hayward, but but uh, you know, guys get signed and traded. So th- there are there are things they could do to extract value. They most likely will get no value there, but there's the possibility for value. They get a comp- They get two competent NBA players. Uh, I think uh, uh, Roosh, I think, was saying on Twitter that at least we have two more competent NBA players to throw out there instead of getting blown out by thirty every night um that's and, uh so just so everyone knows like, that's roosh williams on twitter he's a very good follow but yes go ahead yeah so i mean there's something to be said for having a couple of competent nba players so i understand that that you know not having to take salary back great but look the rockets are not paying the luxury tax this year they dropped the further below the tax and oh i will take this moment if we're, we're looking for silver linings the rockets are now Anywhere from five, five, six million below the uh, the below the tax threshold now. Did, Kelly Olynyk has some incentives in his contract that may or may not be reached. Um, but let's say for purposes of this discussion, they're five million below the tax. Well, guess what? Guess how much of their mid-level exception they have left? About five million. Hmm. Um, they could put that to work at some point this season. I've thrown out the possibility. Again, he's probably not the best fit. But are, are you thinking like an example. overseas prospect, something like that? 
Um, Maybe a circular Yule if he's bought out by the next year. Unfortunately, the trade deadline passed, and we did not trade for his draft rights back, so we cannot sign circular Yule. Can't can't they waive him and waive those rights, and then he becomes a free agent? I guess they could. The sink continues of consecutive podcasts with the circular Yule reference. Had to do it, man. But, I mean, there could be a player overseas they could sign. Or a buyout guy. So, for example, again, he might not be the best fit, but I just use him because people know him. Andre Drummond's about to get bought out. Oh, sweet heavens. Where are you going with this? (laughs) No, no, I'm using him as an example. He's probably not the best fit. But hypothetically speaking, a player of Andre Drummond's caliber is bought out, and rather than sign with a contender to play spot minutes, the Rockets offered a two-year, $11 million deal, which they could do, and still stay below the luxury tax. Would you do it? And uh, I, I, I'm blanking on who it was, but I, forgive me, I'm sorry. Uh, someone suggested someone much better, I think, than Drummond. What if Otto Porter gets bought out? N- that's intriguing, that yeah. Money in yeah, that's, that's a so, little interesting. So, so, so that's one possibility. Well, I think that's good asset management. I mean, to interrupt. That's good asset management. But like, yeah, why would Drummond do that? You know, like he he he'd be better off going to a contender for just the rest of this year and then get you know getting a big payday after getting a you know a spotlight shown on him on a contending team. Although I think it's Bobby, I think both Bobby Marks and uh, other guy, Bobby Marks, Nate Duncan, John Hollander, a lot of guys say. That uh, what happens to a lot of buyout guys once they get labeled as a guy who'll sign for the minimum, they never get anything offered to them, but but that the rest of their careers. So guys are legitimately uh, averse to, to signing minimum deals. If they can sign a, a decent sized deal, you know, 11 million is nothing to sneeze at, including five million right away. Uh, I mean, you're talking about five million for a shortened season. So that pro rate is that's a lot of money. Sure. Um, What's their roster so, the spot situation? Because they obviously are taking two for one here, right? I mean, they, they trade all the depot, they bring in two. They had an open roster spot because uh, um, Mason Jones' ten-day contract expired. Mercifully, um, yes. Um, but, but for instance, so, so speaking of Mason Jones, so you're looking at other. So you got the Otto Porter, Andre Drummond buyout types you could use, or you could do something with a guy like Mason Jones, a young guy who was on a two-way, on a 10-day, you could use, if you're able to create a roster spot, you have to waive someone to to, do, to sign someone, obviously, but um, if you create a roster spot, you could sign a guy like Mason Jones to, to uh, Hinky Special, which is four years uh, with multiple non-guaranteed years on, on the back end. But basically, K.J. Morton's contract right now is a Hinky Special. Um, and you can use uh, a sliver of your remaining MLE on a guy like that, one or maybe two guys like that. Take take a couple of flyers. That's what uh, uh, that's what uh, Sam Hinkie would do with the uh, process Sixers. Would cycle through guys, and that's how he got Covington yeah. on his deal. I mean, four uh, years of Mason Jones sounds exciting. Well, I didn't say you'd be excited. I'm talking about roster and asset management. It's not glamorous, but <laughs> you know, you take as many, you know, you, you buy as many lottery tickets as you can, and you hope one hits. Right, but I, it's funny you, you you bring that up, and I'm just teasing, of course. But I mean, I, I do think about when the Rockets cut Isaiah Hartenstein or Gary Clark, and I'm not saying these guys panned out in a big way, but you know, the Rockets could be in a situation to just add a young guy who 
is released by you know a contending team or or, or something of that nature, and they give him a, a shot. You know, maybe bring him to the Vipers for a bit or or end of the bench here to develop. Um, you know, I was kind of I wasn't so sure about Mason Jones, but I mean, just someone like that, I guess. You know, that's. Or, that's or, Mentioned the Vipers. You know, there's a guy on the Vipers who who might deserve a chance. Armani Brooks. Yeah. Shooting lights out. Got wiped out for the Vipers. So, yeah. You know, he might be worth it. You know, you, you can sign a guy late in the season for a very a prorated minimum is a really small amount of money, but you can use the MLE to lock him up for four years. Yeah, so, you're right. That's you know, th- th- this would be, I think, prudent roster management, assuming that there's someone on the roster they don't really need anymore, you know, if it's Dante Exum, if they don't think Exum is going to be able to play the rest of the year, maybe you wave him. I mean, uh, this guy should have been healthy some time ago. I don't understand why he's not back yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the injury is worse than they thought. I would actually like to see Exum play for this team. Just Same. Kind of see, you know, he could, could maybe they bring him back for the minimum next year. Um, you know, I, I've, I've, I've always liked his talent, even though he's kind of a bust, but I still think he's an intriguing talent. He's got he's got skills. Oh, um, yeah, that that but, series against the you know when the when Harden faced off against the Jazz, I mean he was very fast. He couldn't shoot a lick, but I mean he could defend. He was blazing. Yeah, he's fast. a good defender. Yeah, and I mean, but and there, I mean there was also talk. Uh, I forget if it was in, a, in Jonathan Fagan's article or something about. Uh, uh, no, it was Kelly Eco's article that the possible the Rockets might possibly buy out Ben McLemore, Although I don't know what. Macklemore would agree to a buyout. He's making the minimum. He's probably just say cut me. Um, but uh, you know, you know, maybe if they don't see Macklemore as part of their future, they let him go. Maybe let him, you know, do right by him. Let him try to catch on with the contender. But you know, there's probably a roster spot they can open up. Is what I'm saying. And it, it, they should probably open up at least one roster spot and use that MLE on somebody. Do you think first round picks, second round picks? And young prospects are more valuable than they've ever been. I mean, I, I, I think of a guy like Macklemore. You would think somebody would have just chucked a second-round pick at the Rockets and say, "Yeah, we'll take him." You know, I, in the past, I, it just seems like, you know, suddenly these things have become the most valuable commodity pieces. And I'm actually grateful that the Rockets are, you know, refilling all, the, you know, sort of their asset bowl here, and uh, because they're they've got a lot of picks now, but. I see this, and I was very surprised how many teams would not part with players they should be parting with, in my opinion, or, or picks they should be parting with to make a, uh, you know, possible step up. I mean, I think second round picks are still fairly fungible. Um, I think teams are getting wiser to the value of second round picks, but I mean, you've seen a bunch of them tossed around today. Uh, I think if I think if Ben McLemore was playing how he was playing last season. I think they maybe could have gotten a second round pick for him, but I think he's you know he's in the middle of a really bad slump, and it's just really bad timing because if he was if he was going hot right now maybe maybe they get a second round pick for him. I mean yeah. not a particularly good second round pick, but they get something you know a, a late second round pick. By the way, if Sham's report you know slightly off topic here, but if his report was you know that the that uh, Toronto was wanting Taylor Horton Tucker for Lowry as part of that package deal, and the Lakers balked. Uh, I'm stunned. I mean, he's going to be a restricted free agent. I, you know, I, I granted, I think he looks like a pretty good player. 
I don't think, you know, for, for as valuable as, you know, this time with LeBron and AD together is that they wouldn't do that trade blows my mind. So, again, that's an, uh, that was another tr- non-deal, if what, true, that makes them, me think that these guys lose, are worth more. Lose into one of these uh, Daryl Morey poison pill offer sheets in the, in the off season and I'll be all for naught for them. <laughs> Okay, so let me shift gears just, uh, you know, and also give people a little bit more positive. There are some some pieces here that are in, interesting. I mean, Kevin Porter Jr. is now, for better or worse, the future of the Rockets as far as running the show. And that that was, from what I've been told, a very big factor in why they felt like they needed to move Oladipo now. They felt that it was a little bit better return than a sign-and-trade possibility, and even though it wasn't a great return. there's I don't think there's anybody with the Rockets who is going to try to sell this trade. So I don't want to make it seem like, you know, that, that they're saying this is a great move for them. I think that they had the rug pulled out from underneath them and, and they're disappointed. But the reasoning behind why they did it is because they feel like Kevin Porter Jr. is who they need to develop and who they need to have, you know, the time for him. And Oladipo is taking time from him. I mean, when you've got John Wallace playing and you've got uh, Oladipo as well, Gordon, when he gets back healthy, I mean, there's they need to free up time for KPJ, and so I think that's what they're doing. What do you see from him so far? Is there anything that makes you think, okay, this guy could be someday the best player on a title team or on a contender? Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a real strong <laughs> response right out of the gate there. Um, I mean, he's he's. Extremely talented, um, but he's I mean, still raw. The, 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 he's very raw, and I mean, for those that have paid close enough attention to the games, well, he, he'll make some some you know really amazing shots and have some make some good moves. You know, he doesn't shoot a high percentage, and he is bad on defense, like really, really, really bad on defense. Um, You'll notice that they they get scored on a lot when he's in the game, um, and you know he's young. He's young and he can learn. And I'm cautiously optimistic that he's going to have a bright future with the Rockets. But we are way away from knowing whether or not he can be the best player on a on a contender. I know I I, I would look at him more as a as a very valuable complementary piece. At this stage, you know, to be quite honest, I don't think we have that piece right now. I think if you win the lottery, you're going to get that piece. Yeah. Oh, that's the hope. Obviously, uh, I mean, Cade Cunningham would be awesome. I don't. I try not to even look at any highlights. I just I consider it a bonus if they get there, even though if they are one of the three worst teams, they have a slightly better chance of getting a top four pick than they do of falling back to wherever Miami is. But it's still a coin toss and. Uh, and, you know, it's it's a dangerous game that they're playing. But, unfortunately, it's probably the, the best move that they can make is go in, go into that, you know, throw the young guys out there, see it, see what you got, see what you can start to develop with, and hope, like you said, that they can get a top-four pick and possibly add a piece that could be uh, the best player or, or a two or a three on a, on a contending team. That, that, that's, that's the hope. I mean, it is going to be very – very depressing if the Rockets lose the lottery. Um, but at least we'll have, you know, we'll have three late first-round picks, but that's nothing to sneeze at, but after going through all the pain that that, that, that that's your reward, 
sport after all that pain would be pretty depressing. But uh, it would be peak Houston I, I sports right to, now, you're though. You're trying to uplift things, Dave, and I and I just brought him back down. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it would be you know par for the course in the last year or so. For, you know, as far as Houston sports are concerned, I, and that's my concern. I'd, I'd love to see something like this change the fortunes of Houston sports, where you know everything's been going wrong on really, you know, certainly with the Rockets and the Texans, and you know the Astros have had some some bumps along the way here recently. But you know, th- something like that landing a top four pick, um, you know, or landing the number one pick, knock on wood. Um, could could certainly change the fortunes and bring some much needed optimism, I think, to to you know the fans that are that are suffering right now. Yeah, I mean, I, that that really is the, the the you know the the light at the end of the tunnel is the 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 chance at a lottery pick. And I and I know that the Rockets, you know, they're not particularly interested in losing a whole bunch of games. I think the losing streak kind of came up on them. It wasn't by design, and you know. <laughs> Towards the end of the losing streak, you saw just the pain on their faces. That that win was, that, to snap the streak was just such a good feeling. But you know, this is a team that's just it's not very good, and it's you know unfair to Stephen Silas, who's not what he signed up for. But um, you know, frankly, it's, if the Rockets want to get good again, the best way to do that is to win the lottery, and the best way to do that is lose a whole bunch more games this year. You know, I want them to play hard. I want the young guys to develop. I want Silas to coach him up. I want them to play their asses off. Um, but, you know, if they ended up with the third worst record in the league, that's fine by me. Yeah, why don't we close with this? And, and again, I'm not uh, criticizing Steven Silas, but is there anything you can draw from this season, as crazy as it has been, about his coaching? Is there anything that we can say – Okay, this is not working, or this is working, or has it just been so crazy with so many? I think they've had like 25 starting lineups this year. So many players in and out, and and you know players that you, you know, or as John Wall says, didn't want to be here. Um, you know, is it fair at all to to draw any judgments about Stephen Silas this season? I think for the rest of the season, we'll probably get a better idea about Steven Silas as a head coach for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, like you said, one of the main reasons for the Oladipo, today's Oladipo trade is you want to clear him. He clearly wasn't going to be here next year. You want to give those minutes to Kevin Porter Jr. and see what he can do with consistent minutes every game. I think the fact you in the trade, in the recent trades, you've added three competent NBA veterans in DJ Augustine, Avery Bradley and Kelly Olynyk. That you know, while the, you know, hopefully they're not playing major minutes. They're all, they should all be part of your rotation, and you're going to get competent NBA caliber play out of your lineups. Unlike during the losing streak when you had guys that really had no business playing in an NBA rotation, and you couldn't really judge what a team with you know a bunch of two-way players and G League guys out there. You, you don't really know what Steven Silas can do when you have that level of talent. You have a more confident level of NBA talent now where the lineups that Silas can put out there are going to be at least a threshold level good enough to get an idea of what his coaching is doing. And then also see how the young guys develop, see how Porter does, how Martin does, Tate, you know, uh, Wood, 
you want to see how these guys develop over the over the course of the year. And I think playing with you know sprinkling in some competent NBA veterans is going to help there. Um, so I, I think we might get a better idea now. The trade deadline is kind of the clouds are hanging over them. They can play the line if they need to. If they need to wave a guy, they can wave a guy and replace them. And I, I think we'll get a better idea going forward. Yeah, you brought up Tate. That's been a bright spot, I should say, um, this season. Love Jason Tate. Yeah, he, he's getting better too. I think he's he's adapting to the NBA game quite well. He's uh, to me, I think he's a very very good role player on a on a contending team right now. Uh, I don't think his three point stroke is where it needs to be, but I think you know he's a smart player. He learns quickly, you know, strong around the basket, um, plays very good defense. That was a find, you know. Yeah, I think you, you, that, you that, go ahead. Oh, big time, big time. That that fifth spot on the of the all rookie first team is wide open, and I think it's there for the taking for Tate. I think uh, I think clearly the the top four rookies, at least by for the national media, the top four rookies are Ball, uh, Edwards, Halliburton, and Quickly. And I think that fifth spot's there for the taking for Tate. I think Tate can make the the, the first team all rookie. Yeah, he's been that good. That would be that would be nice. Uh, certainly, he's getting enough time and uh, playing a significant enough role to, you know, get to earn that type of spot. Yeah. So let's let's close there. I, I promise you. I think I think we're gonna have more uh, positive things to talk about in the future. And I think, you know, I don't want to tear Rafael Stone down here. I I do think we have to remember he's a rookie GM, and I think he looked like a rookie GM on this particular situation. But he's had a lot of moves that have made him look very good. I mean, in other words, they've been positive moves. They've been strong returns for, you know, like looking at Covington, getting Wood back, and, you know, other – I think he, I thought the P.J. Tucker was a solid move. I think he's done well. Sterling Brown. Sterling Brown is a minimum signing free agent. Jason Tate is an undrafted rookie free – undrafted rookie free agent, or, I mean, an overseas signing. Sure. Um you know, yeah, I, I honestly, I think Stone's resume overall has been very solid. Uh, I think today was a bad day for him, a really bad day for him. But, you know, good GMs have bad days. I mean, Sam Presti's one of the best GMs in the business. He had a really bad day back in 2012. Yeah, you're right about that. And, and I remember, I, I think back when Daryl left and you know had a chance to talk with him, he he raved about Rafael and felt like that you know the team was in good hands. And I, you know I I've been reluctant because he is sort of that rookie GM. He's been there with Daryl for a long time and he knows the ins and outs of the business. He's not like you know raw or anything. He he knows what he's doing. But it's still it's, it is his first year as a GM. So I've been reluctant to, you know, bust out the memes and, you know, kind of like the old Daryl photo of, you know, turning around on at Madison Square Garden that we all used every time he was able to finesse another GM. I've been reluctant to use that for him. Honestly, I think I think the same thing happens to Daryl today that happened to Rafael. I really do. I think Daryl would have gotten screwed today, too. And this coming from the world's number one Daryl Morey fan. Um, (laughs) I love Daryl. You know I love Daryl. Yeah. I think he would have gotten screwed today, too. Yeah, I guess you'd have to play the whole thing out. Would he have gotten Oladipo in the first place? But you're right. I I think what happened today was probably out of their control. Getting to this situation, not making a deal a little bit sooner, you know, I guess that was the chance they took. That was in their control. But, um, 
Yeah, we'll see. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm optimistic about the team, but I think we're at the bottom. We haven't really seen anything that says, okay, the future's extremely bright with the Rockets. They've still got to get those high picks, you know, whether it's winning the top four pick this year or something. They've still got to get those pieces, and I think that's why, um, you know, overall fans were disappointed with the Oladipo trade because it didn't really get them anything in that regard. But, like I said, um, this is, you know, you, you got to stick it out through the, the lean times. The Astros, you know, what, three, four years of 100, 100 straight losses before just an inc- incredible amount of success. Uh, I think the same thing was going to happen with the Rockets. I think they've just got to continue to stockpile picks, stockpile currency in this day and age, and, uh, you know, start to build from there. But, but it's going to be slow. Right? Just like those people saying, hey, they got nothing for Harden. Yeah, you're not going to see that the return for Harden until you get to those drafts, and that's going to take some time. But um, I'm willing to wait it out. I just don't want to see them make moves like happened today that just, you know, disappointing returns. But, David, dude, thanks for doing this. Um, like I said, we do it. We do these fairly infrequently, but we tr- always try to hit the draft. We always try to hit the trade deadline for sure. Um, and I'm, I appreciate you doing it. And, uh, like I said, we'll do it again soon. Yeah, next time under happier circumstances. (laughs) For sure.